2 Timothy here. We've just started 2 Timothy last week, and we just looked at the first two verses last week where Paul's kind of introduction to Timothy, and we paid close attention to why is Paul taking the time to introduce himself to somebody he's known for years. We looked at that. Today, I want to look at Paul's thankfulness. It, uh, it's difficult to see this, but what we're looking at today is really a prayer. Paul's making a thanksgiving prayer. Now, we don't recognize it as such because he doesn't start off with, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this and that. And, but that's really what Paul's going to be looking at today. We're looking at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be verses 3 to 5. I'll read it. We'll have a word of prayer ourselves, and then we'll get to looking at it. It goes like this. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I make remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I do thank you for the clearer weather. I was getting kind of depressed with the, the run that we'd had lately, so I thank you for the beautiful, beautiful day you gave us yesterday and the day you gave us today. That's a blessing to me. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the guidance that it gives to each and every one of us. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit who can apply it to each one of us in a different way. You are an amazing God, and it's our honor to lift your name up today. Help us to do it in a worthy way. It's in that name I pray right now. Amen. So as I say, today we're looking at Paul making a prayer of thankfulness to God. And it's right after the introduction that we looked at last time. And that's not uncommon for Paul either, as we've seen him do that in other letters that he's written. Uh, in fact, in most of Paul's Thanksgiving prayers, that, go ahead and look at the, just the introductions and beginnings, the first paragraphs, basically, of Paul's epistles this afternoon. Uh, and you'll see Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, blah, 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 and he goes down through, and then he gives a little prayer of thanksgiving almost immediately after. And if you pay close attention in each of those thanksgiving prayers, he gives you, a, if you're paying attention, he gives you a clue to the major theme of the rest of the book. And that's what we're going to see today. Second uh, Timothy's no exception. In this particular case, I don't know if you picked up on it, but the focus is on Timothy's heritage, heritage of faith. That's the theme for the rest of this book. Uh, now, when I mention heritage to you, I'm sure that the first thing that comes to most of your minds is a heritage of ancestry, right? Uh, you're descended from so-and-so and on down through. And that's a normal thing to think about when you think of heritage. And it's the same thing here. That's literally what Paul's talking about here. And Paul starts off his thankfulness by saying how thankful he is that he serves God as part of a long and established heritage himself. See, uh, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers. And then later on when we get down to verse 5, he's going to say, and Timothy, you're doing the same thing. 
Uh, see, Paul comes from a long line of people who have been serving God. Paul's ancestors for generations in the past had done exactly the same thing. Jesus even spoke of this redemptive heritage himself in John chapter 4 and verse 22 when he says that salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews. If it weren't for the ancestry and the passing down from Abraham on down through the Jewish race all the way to the point of Jesus, none of us would have any hope. Heritage is a very important thing. Through the Jewish nation, God has provided redemption to the world through things like adoption into his family. I'm straight up 100% Anglo-Saxon. I wouldn't have any hope of any salvation if it weren't for adoption into God's family. And sharing into his glory. I get to participate in some of the glory of our God. My, not that long ago, my, my kinfolk were eating each other in northern England. I mean, they were complete savages without Christ. And I share in some of the covenant blessings, too. And so do you. Do you think about these things at all? Do you think, think about all the blessings that come along with being a follower of Christ? We receive the law so that we know how to live properly. We share in these worship and praise and promises of God. And we see these things. Let's take a little sidestep. Let's go over to Romans chapter 9. Let's see Paul describing some of these things. Because Paul was astounded, and Paul was Jewish. Uh, Romans chapter 9, let's look at verses 4 and 5. Here's some of the things that come along with adoption. It says, Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises? Whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came? who is overall God-blessed forever. Amen. Paul was amazed by these things. Paul and Timothy, too, for that matter. They serve a God who saw fit to provide all of that through His grace. And this common ground is what Paul wants to use as a foundation on which to build the rest of this letter. The whole letter of 2 Timothy is built on that foundation of, Timothy, you and I share a common heritage of serving God and enjoying all these blessings. So I want you to keep that in mind as we go through for the next few months going through 2 Timothy. Um, now notice also that Paul says that his gratitude and his service are with pure conscience. He's been serving with his forefathers with pure conscience. Now, we saw Paul use similar language in Acts chapter 23 and verse 1, uh, Acts 24 and verse 16. This idea of ministering out of pure conscience is very important to Paul. Having a pure conscience. He, did you know Paul refers to conscience some 20 times? Mostly in the letters to the Corinthians. If you're looking at 1st and 2nd Corinthians, you're going to see him refer to the conscience, the conscience, the conscience. Uh, we already saw in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Let's, let's back up. It's only a page, page away. Uh, he talks about uh, false teachers speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Having a conscience seared 
we will see when we get to Titus chapter 1, verse 15, uh, that your conscience can be corrupted. But when the conscience is pure and the conscience is clear, then it's a driving factor in love. We saw that. Let's go back to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. And skip down to verse 19. He talks about holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. The importance of having a pure and a clean conscience because that drives our love for each other. Do you wonder why you may not have a proper loving attitude? How's your conscience? Can, are you serving with a pure and clean conscience? We talked about that a lot when we were in 1 Timothy chapter 1, so I'm not going to reteach that. So even though, let's think about this. Paul's serving God. He's just like generations before him. He's doing it with a pure conscience. As Paul's writing this, he's chained as a criminal. He's chained as a criminal. We're going to see how to, oh, aren't you uh, exaggerating a little bit? Uh, skip over to chapter 2 and verse 9. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. I've made you a point over and over now uh, since we've talked about 2 Timothy. This is Paul's last words. Some people might argue with me, and we're going to cover it when we get towards the end of the book. I believe that Paul died within hours of writing this. Some people say, well, he, he asked Timothy, make sure you send me the, uh, uh, bring my clothes and stuff like that when you're coming back. Paul was always planning ahead. Paul always had a contingency plan. I believe he died within hours of writing this. Uh, but in any case, you see, Paul's ministry wasn't built on people's approval. Paul's ministry was built on trusting the fact that God stands behind his people who trust in him. And we see him admit that. Uh, when, it, when you're reading in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, he says, For I know nothing in myself, yet I am not hereby justified, he says. He's not justified by his own abilities. He's only justified by God. And he, says, he goes on to say that he who judges me is the Lord. You see, that confidence in God as the final judge is the foundation that holds up all the other aspects of Paul's ministry. Everything. Paul does what he does because God is going to assess him. So, branching straight out of Paul's ancestry and his clear conscience comes a prayer for Timothy. That without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Paul says that he remembers Timothy in his prayers night and day. Now, I can't read that without thinking of what uh, Paul also wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, where he says, pray without ceasing. Praying for somebody night and day is an example of praying without ceasing. See, Paul actually did what he tells other people to do. In Thessalonians, he says, pray without ceasing. And here's an example of Paul doing just that. When we get to verse 5 today, we're going to see Paul remind Timothy that through his Jewish mother, Timothy shares in the same ancestral heritage that Paul has, and what a blessing that is. 
So verse 4 goes, Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Paul and Timothy have had a long shared history in life and ministry, which has given them some very strong ties. Now, right now, Paul's reminding Timothy of some of this shared heritage that they have. He even speaks of being reminded of Timothy's tears. I remember your tears, Timothy. I don't have no idea what he means by that. No idea. Apparently, he's seen Timothy through some great disappointment. Anybody here been greatly disappointed, maybe to the point of tears? We all have, haven't we? We all have. Well, Paul's been right beside Timothy as he's suffered through some of those things. There's a camaraderie going on here. Timothy's suffered some major loss, some disappointment. I don't know what. It doesn't matter what it is. Paul's thinking back to some rough spot that maybe he and Timothy both shared. Maybe they both had a rough time. We know that they both had a rough time several times. I don't know exactly what Paul's referring to. But the fact is they shared their lives so much that Paul remembers good times and he remembers tears with Timothy. Now, in response to Timothy's sadness, he doesn't just sit there and say, well, there, there, Timothy, you'll, you'll get through this. God will take care of you. Don't worry about it. God's in control, Timothy. We already saw in verse 3 that he's been praying for him night and day. Night and day. Paul even says here, I wish I could see you. I wish I could be with you one more time, Timothy. Just one more time. See, Paul and Timothy have had to lean on each other in the past quite a little bit. We've seen that mentioned in several of Paul's other letters. Let's, let's look at some of the history that Paul and Timothy have. Uh, if you, if you uh, I'm not going to read them right now. I don't really have time. Uh, if you go to 2 Corinthians, you'll see, towards the end of 2 Corinthians, you'll see Paul mentioning Timothy was there with him in Corinth, as he was working to Corinth. Uh, in Philippians, he was there at Philippi. He was there at Col- Colossae, in the Colossians. He was there for First uh, and Second Thessalonians. Timothy was right there. When Paul was writing to Philemon, one letter from one guy to another guy, and Paul mentions Timothy as helping him then, too. Everywhere Paul went, Timothy was right there with him. See, sometimes we tend to think, oh, well, Timothy, yeah, he was the pastor at the church of Ephesus. Yeah, in a, in a sort of way, he was probably a circuit-riding type pastor in Ephesus, and he was also at Colossae, and he was at uh, Thessaloniki, uh, he was at Philippi, he was at all of these different places. Paul and Timothy have been partners in ministry in many different locations, many different circumstances for decades. And Paul wishes here that they could just see face-to-face one more time. For now, though, Paul's more interested in acknowledging Timothy's sadness and assuring him that he's sympathetic with him. I know what you're going through, Timothy. And Paul says that to see Timothy one more time would give him great joy. You see that? being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. This will make me very happy if I can see you one more time. Joy is a great theme in many of Paul's other letters, too, particularly the book of Philippians, which also was written from a prison, a Roman prison. 
But this is the only time that Paul mentions joy in the whole book of 2 Timothy. Paul mentions joy as a major theme in almost all of his other epistles. This is the only time that he mentions joy in 2 Timothy. The hangman's coming for Paul. There's not much to be joyful about. But Paul says, you know what would give me joy, even right now, just to see you one more time, Timothy. Now, looking forward to something with anticipation is just another aspect of the heritage that Paul and Timothy share, isn't it? We as Christians, we live our lives, we do our things, and we don't need to be tied down with the discouraging level of this world. Brother Fisher was just talking a little bit about it. This world can be discouraging. If you read any kind of newspaper, it doesn't matter what you read in a newspaper. It's, it's like they're purpose-driven to be disappointing and discouraging and point out everything that's bad that's going on. We don't need to be in that level. We can look forward to brighter days ahead. And Christians are the only ones that have that to look forward to, don't you know? We're the only people on earth that have something better to look forward to. Well, that ought to be encouraging right there. And Christ is going to return, and Christ is going to restore this world to its rightful rule. Is anybody looking forward to that with me? All right. You know, this isn't the final configuration here. We're, we're getting to it. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Paul gives a third reason for his gratitude here. And that's being able to observe Timothy's family faith. I've seen this faith. I've seen it in your grandmother. I've seen it in your mother. I see it in you, Timothy. In, in a very general sense, you and I and the whole worldwide church are all brothers and sisters in this heritage of faith, aren't we? We all share in that heritage of faith. In a, on a simple, that's all very true in a general sense. Uh, and we saw that. Let's back up to uh, 1 Timothy 3, 15. Uh, Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtst to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And we, we expounded on that quite a bit when we went through 1 Timothy. How all around the world, we're, there's people who are doing what we're doing right now. And that's a heritage that we all share. We're a family in that we've been adopted into God's family as sons and as heirs, and that's quite a blessing. But once in a while, that spiritual kinship that we all have is also coupled with another, a blood kinship as well. Once in a while, you see that happen. Even amongst Jesus' disciples, there was James and John, two brothers following with Jesus. There was Andrew and Peter, two brothers following with Jesus, and that's a special relationship. In fact, later on, after Jesus died, James and Jude came to faith in him. And we got their books in here too, right towards the back. James and Jude, two Jesus' half-brothers came to Christ. And that's something special too. Paul here recalls more than just Timothy's tears. He's recalling his faith as well. That same faith that I saw in your mother, that I saw in your grandmother, 
He points out that the, the faith came first from his grandmother, Lois, then carried on into his mother Eunice. And it's because of their faith, because they were faithful, you're faithful too, Timothy. And Paul's able to write to Timothy that he knew the scriptures from a child. Let's skip ahead. Let's look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 5. Oh, uh, no, that's not it. Uh, 15, 3 and 15. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. How do you figure he knew that except his mother and his grandmother teaching him? which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now isn't that a blessing thing, blessed thing when you can see it from down through the family? The father teaches, the mother teaches, and the children, they grow up to be strong men, of, men and women of God. But the strength of Timothy's faith was more than just his family heritage. Paul calls it an unfeigned faith. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, now, the word for unfeigned there is anipokritos, Greek word. I've gone over this lesson before. What do you think hypocritos means? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Very good. In our Greek grammar, uh, when you put an A in front of something, what does that make it? Exactly. That's right. So, without hypocrisy is what anipokritos means. Very simple. Greek is actually a pretty simple language once you can get around the weird uh, putting a Y right next to something else uh, and pronouncing the Y as a U. Uh, <clears throat> it's, Anipokritos is only used six times in the New Testament. Four times by Paul. Uh, now, when he uses it in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 and in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 6, I'm not going to read them right now, he refers to love being anhypocritos, unfeigned, unfeigned love. This time, he's talking about faith, and all the other times that he's using it, he talks about unfeigned faith. And this is faith without any of the marks of hypocrisy at all. No sign of hypocrisy. And you know, there can be hypocritical faith, can't there? Somebody can seem to be, wow, they, they seem to be awfully faithful, and then you, then you find out the truth about them. There's plenty of feigned faith. But Timothy's was not that kind. Timothy's was genuine. But there's another clue to the genuine quality of Timothy's faith that's very easy to miss. Paul says that it dwelt in him. The unfeigned faith that's in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Now that, that word dwelt is from a Greek root, enoikio, enoikio. Uh, oika means with, with us. Uh, and Paul's the only person in the whole New Testament who ever uses this word, enoikio. He uses it to describe the Holy Spirit dwelling in the believer, uh, Romans 8 and verse 11. Uh, and also, when we get to verse 14, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14, he says, That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. In Oikio. He uses it to describe God dwelling with his people, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. 
He also uses it to describe the message of Christ dwelling in the Colossian people in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. In each of those cases, Paul's using enoikios to describe the divine, the uh, powerful transforming presence of God being in someone and making a change. So applying that and all, every single time he's describing an attribute of God being in me and changing me. Apply that to our verse today. This faith that dwelt in Lois and dwelt in Eunice was not a passive, it wasn't a superficial faith. It was a powerful, life-changing, dynamic faith. It changed Timothy's grandmother, it changed Timothy's mother, and it's changed Timothy. Has it changed you? This faith demonstrated itself in Timothy's life and in Timothy's ministry. Which, by the way, Timothy's ministry, I've already pointed out some, all the places that we know Timothy. There were other places Timothy went with Paul. We don't have every single conversation that they had. But he was in Thessalonica. He was in Corinth. He was in Colossae. He was in Philippi. Uh, he was all kinds of places with Paul. Timothy's life was unmatched by any of Paul's other fellow laborers. Paul traveled with Barnabas. Paul traveled with Sil uh, Silas. Uh, Paul traveled with Luke. Paul traveled with all kinds of different people. Nobody was like Timothy. Paul even says as much. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 20. Philippians 2 and verse 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. We'll back up to verse 19. Uh, he says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I may know, be of great comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Paul's going to send Timothy to the uh, church at Philippi because there was nobody else that Paul trusted like he trusted Timothy. That's the guy we're talking about here. Now, that's, that's quite a credentials there, isn't it? I mean, Paul met a lot of people. Paul worked with a lot of people. Paul was the most influential human being in church history. Uh, and Paul's convinced that that same kind of transforming faith is present in Timothy as well. Now, that Greek word for uh, uh, persuaded is pepesmai. And that's an unusual expression, too, in the New Testament. See, I've got to point out the unusual to you. The things that we only see it once or twice, we've got to take a look at that. It means to be convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt. There's no question. Paul is absolutely certain that this same faith is found in Timothy as well. To be that confident of something, there must be some evidence, right? I wouldn't be convinced of anything if you don't show me some evidence. There must be evidence of this faith in Timothy's life. Is there evidence of the faith in you? There ought to be evidence of this dynamic, life-changing faith. This is a faith that isn't fleeting. This, is a faith, this isn't a faith that's influenced or by the world around us. This is a persevering faith. See, Paul is confident 
that Timothy's faith is going to be steadfast. He's seen Timothy through all kinds of good times, bad times, everything. We'll see next week that this steadfastness is not a given, though. I'll give you a, anybody want a teaser for next time? Let's, let's look down at uh, verse 6 and 7. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what we're going to be looking at next time. See, this faith isn't a given. Yes, it's powerful. Yes, it's dynamic. Yes, it's life-changing. And yes, it's present in Timothy's life. But Timothy, you've got to keep stirring it up. You've got to keep it going. It's Timothy's job to work to maintain that faith. And by the way, it's our job to work to maintain our faith too. We've got to keep stirring it up. I don't want to steal my own thunder for next time. We'll deal with that next time. Mind if I close in a word of prayer here? Lord, we do thank you for allowing that dynamic faith to dwell in us. We thank you for all the blessings that you give as members of your family. As I already said, uh, by rights I'm totally undeserving. And yet you've seen fit to adopt me. What a humbling thought. You are a gracious God. Guide us through the rest of this day. Show us how we can be more like you through your word. It's in your name I pray. Amen.